You're listening to the Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards podcast, featuring interviews with your favorite speculative fiction authors. We'll be discussing their books, their fandoms, and their writing processes. So sit back and enjoy episode 12 with speculative novelist and head honcho at Splashdown Books, Grace Bridges. Welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. I'm one of your co-hosts, Liberty Spidel, and this week I am delighted to introduce to you guys my editor, Grace Bridges. Grace hails from New Zealand, as you'll find out in her introduction, and is the editor and founder of Splashdown Books, which uh, handles primarily science fiction and some fantasy, anything that has a little bit of weird in it, basically. And she is going to be discussing with us a whole host of topics. We cover cats, we cover Star Trek Voyager, we cover all kinds of stuff. And you will definitely want to sit back and listen because it is a lot of information and very, very interesting. Grace is the author of Mariah's Dream, which I uh, was able to help her beta read. And it is a phenomenal book uh, that is set in our near future. And I think if you haven't read it already, uh, you will get a taste for it in our interview today. So I think that's about all we've got going on, other than the fact that we still are running our contest. And if you are interested in winning a copy of Jeff Gerke's Irresistible Novel, be sure to check out our posts from his episodes, and those would be episodes 8 and 9. So check out our website and go and click and go enter the raffle because that is going on through the end of March. You have about one more month to enter and you don't want to miss that. Uh, I think that's about all we've got going on today. So here's the show. Welcome to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. I'm Liberty Spidell. I'm, I think I'm Josh Hart. I'm Aaron DeMott, and I am Iron Man. <laughs> I do, however, have no idea what time it is or who our guest is tonight, because I've got like four different emails about that today. So. <laughs> well, tonight we have the most fabulous editor, I think, on the planet, uh, who happens to hail from New Zealand. Uh, Grace Bridges is a dreamer whose muse blows best when it's fresh from the sea. A graduate of the University of Auckland, she translates German and edits novels for a living and writes from her hilltop in New Zealand, although faraway places call to her just as often. Her short works of fiction and nonfiction are found in multiple international anthologies and literary journals, and she continues to work on novels and short stories in the Vortex of Ire series which I happen to have a copy of Mariah's Dream, and everybody should go pick a copy of that up because it is awesome. <laughs> Welcome, Grace. Thank you for joining us tonight. I hey, it's good to be here. here. And I guess it's afternoon where you are. <laughs> it is. It's just after 4 o'clock, and it's a stinking hot one, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're also in the future for us, so... <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I come from the future. <laughs> good thing for a science fiction writer. <laughs> It's kind of up being a sci-fi writer, right? Exactly, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. So we're going to start out with some rapid-fire questions first. Uh, the first three are, what is your name, what is your quest, and what is your favorite color? 
Just like that, eh? Well, my yeah. name is Grace Bridges, as you know. My quest is to seek and create beauty. A lot of that is sci-fi in nature, mm-hmm. but as a statement, it kind of works better like that. My favorite color is, is probably uh, royal purple, but I really like Tardis blue as well. So I, I kind of tend to swing between the two. Tardis blue is good. Mm-hmm. That, so. That's a win. Uh, Grace, would you tell us about uh, it's Mariah's dream? Yep, Mariah's dream. Well, it's a science fiction story for people who aren't really into science fiction. Is how I like to describe it. Because I meet so many people who say, oh, I don't like science fiction. But it's really not like that. So it's, it's not in space. It's not all this weird technology. It's just a little bit in the future is all. So um, so there's that. So there's this, this girl trying to um, grow food, basically, in a, a time a little bit in the future where that has become a thing that's hard to do. And that, that's the story in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. What made you write this particular book? Oh, life in general, everything. Um, in fact, it was probably in the 80s, um, giving away my age here. Um, I was watching some show about future technologies, and they, were, they showed some stuff about virtual reality. And it just really seized my imagination and never let go to this day, really. And I, ha- I had to just write that into a story, which is another part of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, that got me started. I, I put down the, the first plot of it when I was about 14, and I started writing when I was 21. <laughs> and then I wrote it for many years, and then I edited it for many years. My goodness, I sound old. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this is this one is a life's work, really. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a wonderful book. I Of course, I helped beta read it for you and I just really enjoyed it. It stuck with me since last summer when I read it. So Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. So what was the best part of writing Mariah's Dream? Well the part I enjoyed most was a couple of years ago when I, I went away for a break and I was writing all of the extra description because I um I had just discovered that my superpower in writing is description. Mm-hmm. And so I had instructions from my editor to go and, and put lots more of it in. And I did that and it, it took me about a month and that was that was the most fun I ever had writing that thing. That was all the scenes with the dog for those who have read it. Oh the with the dog? Yeah, yeah, he wasn't in it to begin with. I and just edited a, him afterwards. And he's such a fabulous character. He is. So would that be your favorite character? If not, who is and why? <laughs> Yeah, I like the dog. Everyone seems to like the dog. He's He's got no name as the story starts out. Um, and he just kind of runs around and experiences Belfast in a way that only a dog can. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just fun to write because it doesn't have to have a whole lot of things going on. He's just observing life and he runs into different people doing different things. And yeah, he's cool. What's something the readers of Mariah's Dream would be surprised to know about either you or the book? Well, I guess that it took so long to write. Mm-hmm. It's only just been out last year, and, and I don't even want to think about how many years that was. <laughs> <laughs> Very many years that put it that way. And you've got a whole bunch of short stories that are going along with this. That's right. How many do you have out now? Uh, is it eight? There are eight now. Um, 
I'm just writing the eleventh one right now. I uh, nearly finished it today. Probably tomorrow for sure. And how many more books are you planning in this series? I haven't counted exactly. I think there's like eight or so, maybe ten. And that's not counting the short stories, so I, I don't really know. It's not happening chronologically that much, is sure. So there'll be lots of prequels, origin stories, that sort of thing. Simultaneous parallel stories. The next one is happening at the same time as Mara's Dream, mm-hmm. pretty much. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So is there going to be some sort of guide in the book or on the website to <laughs> so know when these happen? Yeah, yeah. As soon as there's more than one to, to have to arrange, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Mariah's dream happens in 2079-ish in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel that your story had to be written in this particular time setting? If so, why? The time setting? Or, uh, or the lo- hmm. time or location? Well, I picked the location because um, although I'm not Irish by birth, I am by passport. It's complicated. <laughs> so I feel a connection to Ireland, and also being an island nation, it's a lot like New Zealand in a lot of ways. So um, I have spent some time there, mm-hmm. um, but on the other hand, I can describe it fairly familiarly because it's like New Zealand in a lot of places. And um, yeah, the thing with Belfast is that it has all of the European old world's feel about it, which mm-hmm. I really like. Do you think if you had changed the location, you know, another place, another time, that it would have changed the direction of the book significantly? Oh, yeah. I mean, the only other option I really had was New Zealand, and I could have said it here easily, but it would have had a completely different character. I mean, everything from the cover to the language, everything. So, yeah. um. That very definitely says Ireland. And, yeah. yeah. And even, even you did manage to set a couple scenes in. New Zealand, didn't you? I did. I snuck those in. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a spoiler-free uh, overview of your favorite scene in the book? Well, I have a couple. One that I really liked, and there's no spoilers in this at all, really, is is when the dog was just hanging around with the people on the beach. Um, I think in my Scrivener outline, I called it an ode to sea and sky. It's mm-hmm. quite near the end. Um, and it's just from the dog's point of view and, and what's happening on the beach and oh, that's what the sky cool. and the water look like. Yeah. Um, I really like that. It's not a particularly long scene, but it, it, it's quite deep for me. And the other one that I like the best, of course, is the biggest spoiler of all. It's where the twist is revealed at the end. And either you go, oh, that's what that was, or you go, oh, I figured that out right at the beginning. Or you go, oh, that doesn't make any sense at all. Or, oh, I hate this. Um, (laughs) There are lots of reactions. Yeah, I think I was a couple scenes before the twist that I figured out exactly what was happening. (laughs) Good on you. So, being a mystery writer, I kind of felt like you you got me pretty good there. (laughs) Good. Bravo. It was a fun game to play is figure out, can I figure out the twist before it's revealed? Yeah. Uh It's a fun game to play, especially with mysteries. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, the thing is with this, hopefully you don't know it's a mystery until it is one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it definitely ended up being that way, because um, I'm going to try not to give away too many details. But, 
uh, I mean, you've got these two parallel timelines going on through the book, and you're trying to sit here and figure out, well, how does this relate to this? And as one of them has said, I think in what, primarily in like 2012, 2014, something like that, and then you've got the main line, 2079, and yep. you're trying to figure out how they're relating, and that just that question alone just kind of keeps you moving through the book. Like, why does this one impact this? And so. Hmm. And that's enough said about that, huh? Yeah. Entering <laughs> <laughs> close to spoiler territory. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, I know. Edit it out later. Yes. I, was, I don't think I spoiled anything. Did I, Grace? No, everyone will have forgotten it by the time they read it. But, <laughs> forgotten uh, what? <laughs> Where am I? Yes. How did I get here? <laughs> oh, we, we've we've got the philosophy already. <laughs> right, what's an interesting thing you had to Google or research in the course of writing Raya's Dream? Well, I have um, several people who come into the story from varying backgrounds, and so I I looked up some words that they would use, um, like the the man from North Africa. He would call the white Frenchman. He would call him a babtu, and this is this is very very slightly insulting, but not really. Um, it's kind of like we have the Pakeha as the white person here in New Zealand. Um, so I have him using that word, and then I have the the Chinese teenager who's thinking of herself as a Zhuang because that is the people group, and mm-hmm. then I have the um, the Welsh woman who is. Uh, Kimres, I think that's how you say it, which means Welsh woman in Welsh. So I, I brought in those language things a little bit, and that was fun. Okay. Are there any authors that you'd recommend? Sorry, that's kind of a bit of bit of a jump, but <laughs> <laughs> I really like um, Stephen Lawhead. He was probably the one who got me started mm-hmm. way back in the day. I read some of his um, big old um, oh, right here. Excellent. Uh, Terry Asin was the first one I read when I was 11 yes. or so, and if you notice that, he also has alternating timelines in this story, and it's a little bit more obvious where it's going to go, but um, yeah. I really like the technique right from then, and, and I have that same technique in my own story, so so it's really influenced me very much. Um, also, his science fiction is great, the Imperium saga is one of my yep. favorites. and then ever. he also writes a... Uh uh, a retelling, as it were, of Robin Hood, which I adore. Yes, yes, I have that too. Yeah, that's pretty good. The King Raven mm-hmm. trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must go back and read those. <laughs> now we've given you an assignment, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> I read them so many times when I was a kid that they're pretty much sort of stuck in my head already. Mm, those are the best kind of stories, though. Yeah, yeah. The ones you can go back and reread over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that you know that you've just read for the first time that you will be going back to reread at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And those are great adventures. I also like Anne McCaffrey, Jeremy Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm reading Eleanor Cat, and she's a New Zealand writer who won the Booker Prize a couple of years back. Uh, she's really good. So um, she's not speculative, but she has a really nice literary way of writing, and I'm more into that. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, I try to reread McCaffrey's Pern series every year if I can. Every year? Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. 
Sometimes I don't have the time to do it, though, sadly, so. Uh, yeah. Uh. I try and keep a list on Goodreads of what I read, and last year I read 76 books. Wow. That does not allow for rereading. I didn't reread anything last year, and I'm kind of regretting that. And this year I've kind of gotten into some books that are enormous, like The Luminaries is 800 pages, and I'm also reading one that is, I don't know how many pages, but I've got it on my Kindle and it's like 600,000 words. Yeah, you were telling me about that two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, so these are not small books, and yeah, I can add them to Goodreads, but they're worth like 10 of the others. So. <laughs> yeah. And you only get kind of for yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's tragic. Yeah. So, who is your favorite superhero? Now, before you answer, I, I'm I'm going to give 10 to 1 odds that your answer will be different than everybody else's. Oh, then then I know exactly what you're thinking. Oh, we take bets on this now. <laughs> I can read your mind. How's that? All right. <laughs> All right. Um, you said I was going to say the doctor. No, actually. No. no. Okay. But well, good guess. It's um, different from everyone else, though, isn't it? I mean, come on. it is. No, actually. <laughs> well, the doctor's different than everybody else's answer, but yeah. Um. And and that's what I I was going to say, but then I knew that that you guys are probably going to tell me he's not really a superhero. Go pick a real one. So I um, I would oh, that agree. <laughs> so I'll at that point, I I decided to go with um either Hancock or Thor. Oh. Ah. Okay. Congratulations! You're the first person not to pick Batman. <laughs> Yes. I don't like Batman, sorry guys. <laughs> He's not my <laughs> Seriously, they all picked Batman. Uh, everybody every, everybody except Kame Wyland. Yep. Huh. She went yeah, for Captain, uh, Captain America. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, bravo. You're our second one. <laughs> and, um... When I say I like Thor, I like the character. I think his movies were a bit silly, but he's pretty cool. Well, hopefully Ragnarok will uh, redeem him a little bit. Yeah, 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 and he's always cool in Avengers, so mm-hmm. it's sad. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the, I really liked what Marvel's done with Thor in the um, uh, Marvel story universe, especially if you watch uh, Thor and then the first Avengers movie and then Thor 2 all back to back. The character arc that they've got going between Thor and Loki is just really mm. awesome. It is. It is. But getting back to my actual answer, which Liberty assures me would be allowed, <laughs> the Doctor. You can't go past the Doctor. Seriously. <laughs> okay, but which Doctor? Yeah. Well, that's a complicated question. Yeah, by the way, it starts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't actually mind. I think it's the concept of the Doctor. He He's all of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, technically, it is the same person, kind of, sort of. It is. That, that's yeah, a I really like answer. the current one. Um, Twelfth Doctor, he's he's awesome. Capaldi is amazing. Yeah, just just keep counting them back. They're all great. Mm-hmm. I don't but like Capaldi. But who was your first Doctor, Grace? My first... Um, well, he's probably Tom Baker back in the day. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that was I think the first time I was doing it when I first started watching it. I watched yep. a couple 
it, so it's way back then. Me too. Yeah, back when I was there, what, six or seven years old or so ish, uh, one of the local TV stations, Sunday afternoons, we'd get home from church, dad would turn sci fi on, we'd watch uh, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who, and Buck Rogers. They had them all on in a big box. Mm-hmm. That's what we mm-hmm. did Sunday afternoon. And then, of course, nice. after that was Disney's Sunday night at the movie. So. <laughs> and I really love that. Um, I'm not sure what you call it, docudrama, I suppose, an adventure in space and time. Have you guys seen that? Oh, yeah. I think so. They did that for the 50th, didn't they? Yeah, it was kind of around that time. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a drama mm-hmm. about how the show started and how they recruited the director and, and the producer and, and the doctor and put it all together and, and what it meant mm-hmm. to people and what it started out as and what it became. Mm-hmm. So I think it, I meant to watch really that. Cool. I think I meant to watch that, but I don't think I got the opportunity to before I had to take it off of my DVR player. Oh, <laughs> so hopefully oh, it's, it's on okay. Amazon soon. Yeah, that'd be great. So. And if you want to talk obscure sci-fi, that would that would be as far as I know, the show was only aired once on Disney Sunday Night at the Movies, and that would be Earth Star Voyagers. Anybody seen that? Mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. And nobody's ever heard of it. I've I've met like two other people that even ever heard of it. And like I said, as near as I can tell, it's aired once on television. Has never been released on video, DVD, or anything. Hmm. Uh, we we got in the habit. We were we were taping all of the Disney Sunday Night movies, you know, back when VCRs were a thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we taped that because we taped pretty much all of them. And uh, we actually wore the tape out watching it and getting it over so much because the family loved it so much. But wow, haven't been able to find it anywhere other than you know the four other people that happened to see it on TV on the internet talking about it. According to Wikipedia, it's not been re- released on DVD either. Nope, hasn't been released on DVD or VHS or anything. Like I said, as near as I can tell, it's been released on television once. Huh. Well, maybe we should put a call out to our listeners and say that if anybody's got a bootleg copy, that if they can get it to Aaron... <coughs> I, I might have a bootleg copy. <laughs> On DVD? I, I know nothing. <laughs> I would totally buy a legitimate release of that if Disney would release it, though. I would probably buy a couple of them. <laughs> Love that movie, but anyway. There's there's our rabbit trails. This is how things usually go. Yes. Yeah. Guys, you know who else is a really great superhero? I was going around Facebook today. I don't know if you saw it. I was the greatest American hero. You guys ever seen oh, yes. that? I haven't seen that. I've seen like two episodes. I don't remember if I've seen that one or not. I had to have at some point. Because, you know, oh, that looks familiar from way back when. Hmm. Yeah, it was totally a thing here. Must have been on yeah. every week or something. Oh, well, yeah, it was on every week back in the 80s where it was broadcast, but yeah, it was like, yeah, kind, of yeah. Like, kind of like Small Wonder. That was on, you know, a whole lot of them. Oh, people that was good. Still, that was a good People still see a still from that show. Oh, yeah, I remember that. See, I'm younger than everybody, so I don't remember any of those shows. <laughs> You're not that much younger than us. Just enough, no. though, and I didn't have cable growing up. <laughs> we didn't have cable either. We had to broadcast TV. <laughs> You know, see, a lot of these shows, I I didn't really watch until I moved out on my own. So, mm-hmm. many years after. So, you're in good company, Liberty. 
Okay. All right, kind of continuing continuing our rabbit trail and kind of getting them back on track. Who's your favorite captain from any of the captains in speculative fiction? Well, um, you guys have seen me at Rollmakers. You ought to know the yeah. answer to this. Yep. <laughs> Janeway! Yay! <laughs> oh, my wife and I have been watching through Star Trek Voyager here lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, come to the conclusion, it's like, first of all, they get home about half the time Janeway put poke in every beehive she sees. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, well, Voyager episodes tend to be really, really bad, really, really good, or meh. <laughs> we're, yeah. watching, we're watching one of those, I think it was a season three episode of Voyager, and I can't remember what it was called, and she could, because it all... It was the one where they go down to this planet and uh, it's a planet with monks and Cass goes up to this portal thing. I think it, yeah, it was either yeah, I think it was Cass goes up to this portal thing and she gets zapped. So Janeway has to go talk to the elders and go through this whole ordeal to try and convince the gods to save Cass or something like that. I think I vaguely remember that one. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, and it was all I kind of... The, I don't remember the name of it, and I used to, but that was one of the best episodes of sci-fi I've ever seen. And it, the only flaw in the entire episode was Chakotay is the one, oh, this is no mumbo-jumbo, just go down there and be with your back, there's got to be a scientific explanation, and Tuvok is the one telling her, Captain, you have to follow your religious convictions. It's like, no, those roles should be completely reversed. Yeah. If they would, if they would take the script, and every time they saw Tuvok in the script, scribbled out right Chakotay and vice versa, sci-fi <laughs> episode ever. It was, it was great. I guess I know that what was, I'm doing after. Uh, that was, it was a season three episode, and I don't remember. It was in season three. I remember that much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna queue up. Uh, Queue that up on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm making myself a note. I'll put it. I'll, I'll look up the episode title and put it in the show notes for everybody. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Janeway. I I love Janeway. Um, I kind of got back into sci-fi because of Janeway, so I can definitely relate to her being your captain, Grace. So. Yeah. But, She's um, She's cool and and made my own uniform and <laughs> yeah, I just have to keep wearing it because it's it, it's too cool to leave at home. You, know, you, you tell how much of a uh, Star Trek nerd I am. The first year she wore that, she posted a preview picture, which was what maybe four inches of black fabric and nothing oh, else. Said, Guess that. what it is? I'm looking at it going. <laughs> That's a Star Trek uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you got it straight away. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one who figured it out from the preview photo, but yeah, That's I awesome. think you were. I think you were. No one was thinking about that before you did. So, uh, what's up next for you, Grace? Right well, now. I'm continuing to write these short stories, and mm-hmm. there'll be a, a couple of those per month. Hopefully, if all things go well, and I'll be finishing the collection of. All of Mario's prologues, um, 16 of them, will be mm-hmm. done by the end of March, hopefully. Okay. At least until the draft. And mm-hmm. then after that, we'll be going through the publishing and publish a bundle. Like, 16 of them will make a small size book. So mm-hmm. I'll do that too. And, um, finish up publishing the smaller bundles of four and eight. You know, you've got to maximize the availability any way people want them. You can have them. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And then after that, I'll be moving on to the sequel, to Mariah's Dream, which mm-hmm. is actually mostly finished. I just mm-hmm. need to um, go through and do that description thing again, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So, um, When do you think you'll have the sequel out? Well, out is a, is a question. I mean, it's it's been edited, but then I need to add this description. I don't know. It just really depends when I can get an editor and, and when I can be happy with it because... Um, obviously I spent almost my entire life on Mariah's Dream and I don't want the second one to suffer mm-hmm. just because I finished it quicker. So many people do that. It's, it's really, really sad um, that you see right. the second book. The publisher pushed them to write it in six months or a year or whatever and it is nowhere near as good as the first one was. Right. And of course there's the opposite yeah. extreme like uh, uh, <laughs> Harper Lee is an example of takes another half a lifetime to get the second book out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was a bit weird anyway, wasn't it? It was yeah. actually written beforehand and stuff. Right. It's kind of sad that she passed away last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I hope she had a good life. Yeah. So where can we find your books? You have to fly oh. to New Zealand to get them. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Among other things. You have to fly to New Zealand to get them. Oh, we're in trouble. No, no, I'm sure Amazon has them. Amazon Um, has everything. Yeah, Amazon has everything. Just Google them. And um, another place that I often recommend is the book depository because you can get anything with free shipping. I know you get free shipping on Amazon if you buy a certain amount or if you're on Prime or whatever, but. Which they just announced that. Uh, Amazon, it, they bumped the minimum threshold for ship, free shipping to like $49. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Again? Yeah. Yeah, just anyway. Who was upset when they bumped it up to like 25 or 30 or whatever it was? Yeah, it was 35 for a while and then it went up again. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, if you want sure. my book with free shipping, you can get that at the Book Depository. And that is a UK-based company and it will arrive in about a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there um, you have that bookdepository.com and uh, it's on Kindle, it's on um, print, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. So, okay. go to it. Well, great. <laughs> this has been another episode of Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. Have a question or comment? Email us at lasersdragonskeyboards at gmail.com. Our music is Flight of the Beast, Loop 1 by Jonathan Gear. Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards is copyrighted under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. This means if you're not for profit and you want to quote us, please be sure that you cite us. If you are for profit, please get our permission first. You can find us at lasersdragonsandkeyboards.wordpress.com for detailed show notes, as well as on Facebook.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. So long, and thanks for all the fish.